Okay, good evening, brothers and sisters in the faith. Welcome to another episode of the BQA, the Bible Question and Answer. And for tonight's question, we're going to focus on the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 22, 1 to 12, which contain very specific commandments. And the question is, does it still apply to us today? Before we go ahead and proceed, however, we ask everyone to please stand for our prayer. Everlasting and most holy, Yahuwah Abba. Amen. Thank you for giving us our life and strength. Yes, we look forward to study your holy words yes, because it nourishes and strengthens our faith. Amen. We ask that you please bless us with insight and wisdom yes, as we continue to search out your glorious Amen. truth. Bless those who will be listening today. Yes, May you empower us all with your Holy Spirit yes, that we can be led closer and closer to you. Amen. Our loving Mashiach Yahushua. Yes. May you increase our faith. Yes. Help us always to be by your side. Yes. Not only today, but always in our life. Amen. That when you appear in the clouds, yes. we shall join you to life everlasting. Amen. Father, we believe that you have listened to our prayers. Yes. We ask and beg everything in the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahusha HaMashiach. Amen. Amen. All right. Praises be to our loving Father that we are again able to study his words and his commandments. So our question for today is based upon the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 22, 1 down to 12. So let's take a look at the question that was submitted. And here it is. My second question is about Deuteronomy 22, 1 to 12, uh, talking about certain deeds people should not or do in life. Uh, verses 6 to 12 confuse me as they talk about very specific things. I don't think this still applies today, but I don't know how I can prove this. Uh, should we follow the words exactly as it is written, just like a commandment? So there's a number of things that we need to consider uh, as we answer this question that is based upon Deuteronomy chapter 22, 1 to 12. First thing I want to point out is what is highlighted there. I don't think this still applies today, but I don't know how I can prove this. So how do we know if a particular commandment, an ordinance or a law that is recorded in the Old Testament still applies to us today? We who follow Yahusha HaMashiach. Let's not forget the teaching of Yahusha himself, something that we need to heed because it came from him directly to us. What is that? The book of Matthew 5, 17 to 19. Yahusha says, do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And so it's clear from Yahusha's teaching that the law and the prophets have not passed. Bible teaches us that we are to complete them. We are to obey them. Yahusha did not come to destroy the law or the prophets. So the law still applies to us today. Now, what law is being specified here by Yahusha HaMashiach? Of course, the law of Moses, which includes the Ten Commandments of God. And Yahusha even says, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least 
in the kingdom of heaven, but whoever does them and teaches people to also uh, do them, they shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So this tells us Yahushua truly values, right? He honors the law of God given to Moses. So the question is, what aspects of the law of Moses uh, still apply to us today during the days of the followers or disciples of Yahushua HaMashiach. The law, according to Yahushua and according to the Holy Bible, has different aspects to it. And so the law of Moses, when we look at the Old Testament, the Torah can be basically broken down into different laws. There's the moral law, the social law, and the ceremonial law. The moral law concerns uh, knowing the difference between right and wrong as far as our relationship to God and mankind is concerned. And this is where we get the Ten Commandments. Social law, uh, this pertains to the judgments that guide a secular, social, political, and economic life. We have to keep in mind that during the days of Israel, they not only, did, they not only had a religion, they also were a nation. It was a theocracy. And so people had to relate with one another according to the law of Moses. So the social life was built in to the religion. And so there were social laws that were included in the Torah. There was also ceremonial laws, which were the ordinances that expound on the process and rituals of worship. So we have the moral law, social law, and ceremonial law. And so what aspects of these different categories of laws during of the Torah uh, still apply to us today. Let's consider, for example, the ceremonial laws. Ceremonial laws are basically composed of the temple sacrifices and the worship ordinances. What was the purpose of the temple sacrifices? It was rituals and ordinances which instructed the people of Israel concerning what they had to do to be cleansed and to be atoned for when they are guilty of sin. This is why there were different kinds of sacrifices that were brought to the temple, and the priests and the Levites would conduct and administer these sacrifices for the atonement of sin, for the cleansing of the people of Israel. And what was the purpose of the cleansing of the people of Israel? So that they can conduct and participate with the rest of the congregation concerning the worship practices. And so the worship ordinances and the worship practices were also uh, turned, also were guided and governed by certain laws, which pertain to requirements for worship, times of worship. For example, when it comes to worship and the ordinances of worship, you have the different festivals wherein we are given certain dates that uh, we meet together to have a holy convocation. We have the Sabbath, which is also a holy convocation. And we also have the place of worship, which during that time was the temple where the people gathered together in order to offer sacrifices to Yahuwah Abba. So these are the worship ordinances and the temple sacrifices that are covered by the ceremonial laws. And the purpose of these temple sacrifices were to make people righteous, worthy to be able to worship Yahuwah Abba. However, during our time, during the Christian era, what 
has been declared by the Holy Bible. The book of Romans, chapter 8, 1 down to 4. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Yahushua, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Yahushua has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak uh, through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And so what happened because of our union in Christ Yahushua? Bible says those who belong to Yahushua by virtue of baptism, those who are added to the body of Yahushua by virtue of baptism, there's now no condemnation in them. Why? Because Yahushua has become their head. And so they have a new identity with Christ Yahushua because we have new identity with Christ Yahushua. The righteous requirement of the law has already been fulfilled in us. How did this happen? How did the righteous requirement of the law, how has this been fulfilled in us? It is through Yahushua's sacrifice. What did Yahushua do? Let's read the book of Hebrews 9, 13 and 15. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of the heifer, sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And for this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant, that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. And so how, what did our king and Mashiach Yahushua do? so that we who belong to him have already satisfied the requirement of the law to make us righteous before Abba. Bible says Yahusha offered himself as a sacrifice and by his blood, we have been cleansed. What was again the purpose of the temple sacrifices when animal sacrifices were offered to Yahuwah Abba? Was it not to cleanse us? of our sins? Was it not to make us worthy to participate in worship? That's the purpose of the temple sacrifices. That's the purpose of the different ordinances governing the worship of Yahuwah Abba. However, when Yahusha offered himself as a sacrifice, the blood of Yahusha being the perfect sacrifice that brought to us a new covenant, and this new covenant enables us to receive the promise of eternal inheritance. You see, during the Old Testament, based on the first covenant, the promise really was only material blessing. But during with the new covenant, now we have the promise of spiritual blessing, or rather eternal inheritance. And how efficacious, how powerful and effective was the sacrifice of Yahushua, his blood that was offered up for our sake. Let's read 
the book of Hebrews now, chapter 10, 12 to 18. But this man, who is that man referred to there? That is our king, Yahushua. After he had offered one sacrifice, not many sacrifices, but only one for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. From that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool, for by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us. For after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says Yahuwah. I will put my laws in their hearts and in their minds. I will write them. Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now where there is remission of these, there's no longer an offering for sin. And so how powerful and effective was that sacrifice of our King Yahushua? Bible says it was done once, and because of his sacrifice, the effect of that sacrifice lasts forever. That's why there's no longer a need for an offering for sin. This is why the temple sacrifices, which makes us clean and righteous before God, to be able to worship God, we no longer need. This is why we no longer sacrifice bulls or goats. Yahushua has become our perfect sacrifice. And so when we consider the ceremonial aspect of the Torah, we know the temple sacrifice we don't need anymore. That was taken care of by Yahushua on the cross. However, certain aspects of the worship ordinances still apply. What is that? Like the festivals and the Sabbath convocations, they still apply because the purpose of the temple sacrifices was for us to be participants of the worship services as outlined by the festivals and the Sabbaths. And so the ceremonial laws contained in the Torah, parts of it, which is the festivals and the Sabbath worship, that is still included and applicable for us today. This is why those who belong to Yahushua, what is his command to each and every one of us? John 15, 5 and 10. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. How did we become branches of Yahushua? What was the process? How do we become added to his body? What's the process again? By having faith in Yahushua through, as expressed in baptism. Those who were baptized were added into his body and have become the branches connected to Yahushua as the vine. That's how we obtain this new identity with Yahushua. He's the head. He is the vine. We are the branches. We need to make sure we remain in the vine. That's why he says, those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you may be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. And so those who belong to Yahushua, they have been set free from the love, sin, and death because the atonement sacrifices, which would cleanse us and make us righteous before Abba, has already been fully satisfied through the sacrifice of Yahushua. That's the blessing of belonging to 
Yahusha, but now we have to remain in Yahusha. And how do we remain in Yahusha? We have to obey the Father's commandments. And so we have to obey the commandments that was taught also in the Torah. And so when we look at the Torah again, the law of Moses, we have the moral law, the social law, and the ceremonial law. We know the ceremonial law where it says, and where the parts that says and teaches us about temple sacrifices, we no longer need that. That was all because we're already cleansed by the blood of Yahushua, right? However, the other aspects of the ceremonial law, they still apply because we still follow the festivals according to the teachings of Yahushua. How about the social law? Well, this no longer applies to us at this moment. Why? Because we don't belong to a nation per se. Unlike during the days of Israel, Israel was governed as a nation. Right now, uh, our religion, our practice of Christianity, we are not yet, the kingdom of Yahusha has not yet been physically established yet, right? When it's physically established during the millennial kingdom, then we will see again these social laws probably be in effect. But today, no more, because we don't belong to a country that is governed by the law of God, okay? So we wait for the coming of the millennial kingdom. However, the moral law absolutely applies to each and every one of us. And what's at the core or foundation of the moral law? The commandments, the 10 commandments of Yahuwah Abba. Of course, there are many other commandments when you read the Old Testament, right? How many here have already read the New Test, the Old Testament? I mean, we've been go, we've gone through the Torah already, and you probably noticed when we went through the Torah, there were many, many specific commandments. However, at the core or the foundation of all these other commandments are the Ten Commandments of Yahuwah Abba. And so, the Ten Commandments they are set apart by Yahuwah Abba. They are distinct and different from the other commandments. Why is it so special? What makes the Ten Commandments of Yahuwah Abba set apart and different from his other commandments? In the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 9, and the verses 10, Yahuwah gave me two stone tablets inscribed by the finger of God. On them were all the commandments Yahuwah proclaimed to you on the mountain out of the fire on the day of the assembly. And so according to scriptures, the Ten Commandments were very special because they were inscribed by what? The finger of God, not the finger of Moses, but the actual finger or power of God. That in itself tells you that the Ten Commandments are special, right? They're kind of set apart and different from the other commandments. What else? 10.4, Yahuwah wrote on these tablets what he had written before the Ten Commandments. He had proclaimed to you on the mountain, out of the fire, on the day of the assembly, and Yahuwah gave them to me. And so they were written on two tablets of stone by the finger of God and given to Moses. And so the law of Moses is really not the law of Moses. It's the law of God given to 
Moses because some people have this idea that the law of Moses is really a law that was invented by Moses. No, it's God who gave it to Moses. And so it's the law of God as taught by Moses as the messenger of God. Now, what else makes the Ten Commandments special and distinct? Deuteronomy chapter 10, 4 to 5. Once again, Yahuwah wrote the Ten Commandments on the tablets and gave them to me. They were the same words Yahuwah had spoken to you from the heart of the fire on the day you were assembled at the foot of the mountain. Then I turned and came down from the mountain and placed the tablets in the Ark of the Covenant, which I had made just as Yahuwah commanded me. And the tablets are still there in the Ark. Here in this passage, we find again two other distinctions of the Ten Commandments of Yahuwah. What's the, what is the first distinction? Well, the Bible says they were the same words, referring to the Ten Commandments, that Yahuwah had spoken to you from the heart of the fire on the day you assembled at the foot of the mountain. So the Ten Commandments, the whole congregation of Israel actually heard that from Yahuwah himself. Those are the only commands that the people of Israel heard from Yahuwah himself. The other commands was through who? Moses, okay? That's why the Ten Commandments are very distinct, set apart. What else makes the Ten Commandments set apart and special? Bible says the tablets, which contain the Ten Commandments, was placed inside the Ark of the Covenant. And so we can, we can tell that the Ten Commandments is very special to who? To Yahuwah Abba. It was written by his finger, placed in two tablets of stone. It was verbalized with his own voice that was heard by the people of Israel. And it was placed inside the Ark of the Covenant in the most holy place of the tabernacle. And so it's special. And when we consider the Torah, what was the instruction of Yahuwah Abba to Moses concerning the book of the law or the Torah? Let's read uh, Deuteronomy 31, 24 to 26. So it was when Moses had completed writing the words of this law in the book, when they were finished, that Moses commanded the Levites who bore the Ark of the Covenant of Yahuwah saying, take this book of the law and put it beside the Ark of the Covenant of Yahuwah your God, that it may be there as a witness against you. And so we see a distinction here between the Torah as a whole right? And the tablets in the Ten Commandments. The tablets which contain the Ten Commandments, they're inside the Ark of the Covenant. But the book of the law, the Torah itself, it was placed by or besides the Ark of the Covenant. So we can see here that the Ten Commandments is very, very special to Yahuwah Abba. Who are we to say it's no longer needed? Who are we to say it's obsolete? Who are we to replace the Ten Commandments when it's so dear to Yahuwah Abba? He had it placed inside the Ark of the Covenant. Now, what made the Ten Commandments special and different from the other commandments we find in the Torah? Let's read the book of Exodus 34, 28. So he was there with Yahuwah 40 days and 40 nights. He neither ate bread nor drank water. 
and he wrote on the tablets, the words of the covenant, the 10 commandments. And so the Bible mentions the 10 commandments specifically that were written on the tablets. Now, when we look at the Hebrew of the word commandments, that, that is translated commandments, I should say, uh, what Hebrew word was used? Let's go ahead and go to the Blue Letter Bible. Commandments, Hebrew word is Hebrew 1697, which is, what is the word? Dabar, okay? And so the Ten Commandments uses the word Dabar. And when it comes to other commandments in general, what Hebrew word is often used? Genesis 26, 5, because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. In this instance, when Yahuwah Abba uh, is speaking concerning, uh, as, it, as, as it applies to the commandments obeyed by Abraham, right? It mentions commandments, but what Greek, what Hebrew word was used? Let's take a look again at the Blue Letter Bible, commandments. It doesn't say dabar, but it uses a different Hebrew word. It's Hebrew 4687, misvah, right? Mitzvah. That's what it says. And so the Ten Commandments uses what word again? The bar. But the other commands uses what word again? Mitzvah, right? What's the difference between the two? Well, let's take a look at the lexicon of these, these two Hebrew words. Let's look at the bar first. The bar refers to, look at that, speech, word. It's a saying compared to mitzvah is a specific commandment, right? Now, we're not saying that the Ten Commandments are not commandments. They are, but they need to be understood in a way that's different from our understanding of specific commands. Mitzvah only pertains to commandment, but the bar is more broad in its application. You see that? It is also like speech, a word, or a saying. And so when we look at the lexicon of the bar, it refers to speech, a discourse, a saying, a word, as the sum of that which is spoken. So when we look at the Ten Commandments, in actuality, when we apply a literal translation of the Ten Commandments, it should be translated like ten words the 10 words of Yahuwah Abba, the 10 sayings of Yahuwah Abba, the 10 principles of Yahuwah Abba. Does it mean it's no longer a command? It's a command. But not only is it, are they 10 commandments, there are also 10 guiding principles by which you can add or by which you can apply and create other commandments from it. And so it serves like a template. It serves like a kind of principle that leads to other commandments. That's what the Bible is saying. That's why it's so special. From these 10 commandments, what can we derive? Well, according to people who study the commandments in the Torah, some count about 613 specific laws in the Torah. Within a section called the Book of the Covenant, a number of these 613 rulings are listed. They illustrate and thus help to explain the implications of the basic Ten Commandments for members of the covenant community. 
The important truths this collection of laws illustrates are, first, that God is deeply concerned with every aspect of the believer's lifestyle. The basic Ten Commandments have the broadest possible application. We are to be sensitive to their implications for every choice we make and for every law our society enacts. And so according to those who study the commandments, there's about 613 specific commandments, but they all come from what? The Dabar, the guiding principle of the Ten Commandments. This is why the Ten Commandments are not just commandments. They're also guiding principles that can be applied uh, so that the covenant community can exist together and so that Yahuwah's principles can be applied in every aspect of one's life. Because when you think about our life, there's so many things that happen in, in, in a day, right? Our interaction with other people, what happens during certain situations. And so there's so many different, so many different things that happens to us. Yahuwah God is concerned about every aspect of our life. And so he added, he gave the other specific commandments that come from the Ten Commandments or the Ten Sayings, the Ten Words, the Ten Commandments. So the Ten Commandments are basically principles, the Ten Principles of Yahuwah Abba that we can use to guide us so that we can always apply the will of Yahuwah Abba in our life. When we consider the Ten Commandments, you probably noticed that eight of the Ten Commandments are expressed as negatives, right? You shall not do this. You shall not do that. Why is that? Well, eight of the Ten Commandments are expressed as negatives, but each negative implies not just one, but a range of positive commands. In saying, for example, the commandment, you shall not steal, the commandment implies that we shall be honest, respect others' property rights, earn by our own labors what we possess, etc. Thus, the stern negative, in a few brief words, suggests a host of positive attitudes and behaviors. And so the 10 commandments or the 10 sayings, the 10 words, the 10 principles of Yahuwah Abba that is found in the two tablets of stone, they have a broad range of application. And what Yahuwah does with his covenant people Israel, during the days of Israel, Yahuwah gave applications of the Ten Commandments, which he encoded as law. This is why we can learn so much about how the Ten Commandments are to be applied in our daily life by looking at how it was applied during the daily life of the people of Israel. And that's what we need to look at so that we can understand what those other commandments mean and how it is derived from the Ten Commandments of Yahuwah Abba. When Yahusha himself looked at the Old Testament commands, do you know what he said about the commandments? Matthew 22, 37 to 40, Yahusha said to him, you shall love Yahuwah your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And so here Yahusha summarized the essence, the spirit of the commandments. 
right? And the laws and the prophets. What is that? It's basically only two. What are they? Number one, love your God with all of your heart. Number two is like it. Love your neighbor as you love your self. And so according to our King Yahushua, the essence of the Ten Commandments is basically love. Love God and love human beings. That's the essence. That's the heart of the commandments. But there are 10 master commandments, guiding principles that reflect that love. And so the Old Testament gives us how it can be applied. This commandment to love God and to love human beings. So when we look at the 10 commandments, if you remember still the 10 commandments, and I think you probably already remember and already know the 10 commandments, right? We should have already memorized them. When we look at the first four commandments, what do we find? What are they? Number one, you shall have no other gods before me. Number two, you shall not make, uh, you shall make no idols. Number three, you shall not take the name of Yahuwah your God in vain. Number four, keep the Sabbath day holy. Have you ever wondered why uh, the uh, Ten Commandments are found in two tablets, not three, but two, not four, but only two? What do you think is the reason? Well, we're not sure, but when we look at it from the perspective of Yahusha's statement, because there are basically two categories, right? Loving who? Yahuwah. And the other category, loving your fellow human being, your neighbor. And so when we look at the first tablet, I'm not, I'm not sure about this, but it's probably likely that the first tablet contains the commandments about loving Yahuwah, right? Because... That's what one, two, three, and four basically uh, teach us to do, to love Yahuwah. And so the first four commandments, they illustrate for us love for Yahuwah Elohim. And the next commandments, honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet. All this has to do with relationship with who? Our fellow human beings, which reflect what? Love for our fellow human beings. And so when it comes to the law of Moses, the moral law hinges upon the two great commandments, love God and love human beings, which is exemplified by the 10 commandments. And so the 10 commandments are summarized by loving God and loving our fellow human beings beings. The other commandments of the Torah is but an application of the Ten Commandments. Other commandments are essentially an application of the Ten Words done in the spirit of love across various situations faced by the people of Israel during their time. Hence, many of these commands are contextually specific and must be understood within the context of the application of the Ten Words. So when we look at the other commandments found in the Torah, it makes a lot of sense to the people living, living in the ancient world, because that's the context, the ancient world. For us living today in the 21st century, some of it might not make sense, right? Because we don't understand the context. So we have to recast it using what we understand according to our culture in the 21st century. However, the 10 words remain the same. 
They will guide us concerning the application during our different situations and different applications for our time today. So for example, we have the 10 commandments, right? These are the 10 principles. And so basically they, are, they have two categories, loving Yahuwah Abba and loving human beings. And so that's the heart of the commandments, love, love God, love your neighbor as you love yourself. From loving Yahuwah Abba, you can generate different applications of that, which is what is enumerated in the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments, also, when you apply that, it will give or yield other commandments. The same thing with loving human beings. And so when it comes to the other commandments in the book of the Torah, now we're able to answer this question that was given to us. That was, a, that's a, that was a pretty long introduction so that we can answer this question, right? Because my second question is about Deuteronomy 22, 1 to 12, uh, ta uh, taking, uh, talking about certain deeds people should or not do in life. Verses 6 to 12 confuse me as they talk about very specific things. Why is it confusing to us as 21st century believers? Because the context is different right? We don't live in the ancient world. We live in the 21st century. And so contextually, it's going to be confusing. But essentially, its spirit will not be confusing. And so when we translate one context to another context, then we understand, we can see the essence of the commands. And this is what still applies today. Not the context. The context doesn't apply. But the commandment still applies. Do you see the difference? We just have to translate to our context today. And so let's go ahead and take a look at these different laws. And they're going to sound really weird to you. <laughs> let's read Deuteronomy 22, 1 down to 4. You shall not see your brother's ox or his sheep going astray and hide yourself from them. You shall certainly bring them back to your brother. And if your brother is not near you, or if you do not know him, then you shall bring it to your own house, and it shall remain with you until your brother seeks it. Then you shall restore it to him. You shall do the same with his donkey, and so shall you do with his garment, with any lost thing or your brother's which he has lost and you have found, you shall do likewise. You must not hide yourself. You shall not see your brother's donkey or his ox fall down along the road and hide yourself from them. You shall surely help him lift them up again. And so here we have a commandment concerning our brother. Now, when it says our brother, it refers to those who belong to the people of God, right? Our fellow uh, people of God. And in terms of today's vernacular, our fellow Christians, our fellow Yahushits, okay? What was the instruction? Bible says, if you will see your brother's ox or his sheep going astray, don't hide. Don't pretend you did not see the lost sheep or the lost ox. Now, this sounds strange to us because how many of us have sheep or ox? Anyone here have sheep or ox in their backyard? Not really, right? Doesn't make any sense because we don't live in that context. We live in a different context. Well, how about this? What if you found your brother's iPhone 13 Pro Max, <laughs> what would you do? The principle still applies, right? During the days of Moses, 
It's an ox or a sheep. During our days, it's different things. Maybe it's a wallet that you found. I mean, what are we supposed to do if we find a wallet? We find someone's cell phone lost. What are we supposed to do? Well, according to this commandment, according to the essence or the spirit of this commandment, we are to take care of it and give it back to its owner, right? Isn't that what it's saying? So it's a commandment that still applies today. The context no longer applies, but the spirit of it still applies today. You see the difference? And so where did this command come from? Like what we said, it came from the Ten Commandments. If I were to ask you, which of the Ten Commandments that you find here was, is being referred to? We're in the commandment we just discussed was the application of it. What do you think is being emphasized here? Is it one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, or 10? To kind of give you a practice of how the other commands really are ap applications of the original, the, the essential 10 commandments. What do you think is it? When you see someone's ox, when you see someone's cell phone, what are you gonna do? Remember, the principle, you shall not do this, implies other positive things. And so I would think it would be number 10, right? You shall not covet other people's stuff. Because if you were to do that, then if you found a lost ox, what would you do with the ox? You'd keep it for yourself, right? And don't give it back. But as an application of the, the 10th commandment, you are to take care of it and give it back to its proper owner, okay? All right, let's go to another commandment, Deuteronomy. 22 in the verse is fine. A woman shall not wear anything that pertains to a man, nor shall a man put on a woman's garment. For all who do so are an abomination to Yahuwah your God. It's interesting. A woman shall not wear anything that pertains to a man and vice versa. I think this is like cross-dressing, right? Now, when we look at the commandment, which do you think applies here? Cross-dressing, transvestitism, <laughs> did I say that correctly? Is that what applies here? If so, what commandment does that derive from? Which of the Ten Commandments? There's something, remember, we have to understand the commandments contextually. And so we have to go back to the days of Israel because the intended audience was really the people of Israel. And so when Yahuwah God gave the Ten Commandments, of course, in the mind of God, it applies to all people, applies to all of us. But within the context of his people Israel, going through the wilderness and going through the promised land, Yahuwah God also got Moses to add other applications of the commands that were for the purpose of Israel's, Israel's uh, community. Okay, And so we have to understand during the days of Israel, what could this possibly point to? And so... According to Bible background commentary, knowing the background of the Israelites and the people living during their time is very important to understand some of the commandments. According to Bible background commentary, most instances in which cross-dressing or transvestism are mentioned in ancient Near Eastern texts are cultic or legal in nature. For instance, when the Ugaritic hero Aquat is murdered, his sister Pagat puts on a male garment under her female robes in order to assume the role of blood avenger 
in the absence of a male relative. An Assyrian wisdom text contains a dialogue between husband and wife who propose to exchange your clothing and thus assume each other's gender roles. And so automatically you're probably thinking, hmm, I'm thinking the commandment of God that says do not bear false witness, right? Do not practice falsity. What else? This may be a fertility right. Uh-oh, fertility right? Or perhaps a part of a religious drama honoring a goddess. Uh-oh, in that case, what kind of comes into play? The command concerning idolatry, right? It may be this association with other religions that made transvestism an abomination and Deuteronomy. But the issue may also be the blurring of gender distinctions. Etite texts use gender-related objects as well as clothing in a number of magical rites used to influence one's sexual status or diminish or alter the gender status of an adversary. The objects of the female were mirror and distaff, those of the male, various weapons. And so if, you, if we still dig deeper, we see that some cultures like the Hittites, according to their religion, they are able to use magical rites. And so when you think of magical rites, it involves gods and goddesses of the pagan world. What is that again? Idolatry, right? And so also according to international critical commentary, no doubt the prohibition is not intended, intended as a mere rule of conventional propriety, though even as such, it would be an important safeguard against obvious moral dangers. But is directed against the simulated changes of sex, which occurred in Canaanite and Syrian heathenism to the grave moral deterioration of those who adopted them. And so clearly we can see the association to idolatry. This is why if you were to select which of the commands it derives from, it probably would be commandment number two. Remember, the distinction between commandment number one and number two is this. Commandment number one tells us that our loyalty, our priority is to please who? Yahuwah. Yeah, Yahuwah is God. And so you will, you will recognize him as your Allahim. There are many other Allahims, but Yahuwah must be your Allahim. So priority is to worship who? Yahuwah. That's commandment number one. Number two is the different ways that other false religions practice their worship of their gods, which often involve the use of idols. And so the commandment number two is basically how to worship properly. And so we must not use idols. Okay. Now let's go ahead and turn to Deuteronomy 22, 6 to 7. This is interesting. If a bird's nest happens to be before you, along the way, in any tree around the ground, with young ones or eggs, with the mother sitting on the young or on the eggs. You shall not take the mother with the young. You shall surely let the mother go and take the young for yourself, that it may be well with you and that you may prolong your days. That's an interesting command, very specific, right? How many here has ever found a nest? that has eggs or maybe little chickadees, little chickens. Is that what you call it? What do you call little chickens? <laughs> you see, you have, you have like a bird and a nest and you have the mother bird and she's taking care of 
the offspring bird, right? And so what does this command say? If you're gonna take the eggs, don't take the mother with the eggs, right? Leave the mother alone. Why do you suppose this command was given? That's an interesting command. I mean, what commandment of the 10 commandments is being reflected here? What do you think? Number one, number two, number three. Now, why do you suppose you should leave the mother bird alone? Why do you think? So she can produce more eggs for other people to benefit. If you take the mother, what are you, what are you becoming? Selfish. You're taking what's not yours. What is that? When you take something that doesn't belong to you. Yeah, I would venture to think that would be like an application of you shall not steal, right? Let's go to Deuteronomy 22.8. When you build a new house, you must build a railing around the edge of its flat roof. That way you will not be considered guilty of murder if someone falls from the roof. <laughs> Makes sense, right? Is this, does this law still apply to us today? Yeah, but in a different context, right? This is why when you're mopping a floor, what do you put on the, what sign do you put when you're mopping on the floor? Wet floor. You don't want people slipping and falling and dying. And so what commandment do you think is being reflected here? What commandment? You shall not murder. You see how this is working out? Do you see how it applies? The context doesn't apply, but the commandment does, okay? What else? Deuteronomy 22, 9 to 11. You shall not sow your vineyard with different kinds of seed. Interesting. Lest the yield of the seed which you have sown and the fruit of your vineyard be defiled. You shall not plow with an ox and a donkey together. You shall not wear a garment of different sorts, such as wool and linen, mixed together. And so these different commandments all have something in common. It's about mixture, mixing. For example, you shall not mix different kinds of seed together. And why is that? What background must we understand during ancient times concerning uh, the mixing of different kinds of seed? According to another commentary of the Bible, commentary critical uh, and explanatory on the whole Bible, this is what is recorded. This also was directed against an idolatrous practice, namely that of the ancient Zabians or fire worshipers who sowed different seeds, accompanying the act with magical rites and invocations. And commentators have generally thought the design of this and the preceding law was to put an end to the unnatural lusts and foolish superstitions which were prevalent among the heathen. And so when we look at different cultures and different heathen religions of the past during the days of Israel, we can see why Yahuwah God included that in the Torah, right? Because the Israelites were facing that problem. We're not facing the same problem. I mean, how many Zabians do you know of? <laughs> we don't know any Zabians today, right? But the essence of the command still applies to us today. What is that? Idolatry. Idolatry. And when it comes to mixture, this is what the Apostle Paul tells us, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness and what communion has light with darkness and what accord has Christ with Belial or what part has a believer with an unbeliever and what agreement has the temple of God with idols. 
for you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says Yahuwah. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. And so when we look at that command concerning mixture, it also points to Yahuwah's will that we are to be separate from heathen religions, which points to what commandment of Yahuwah Abba. Number one, you shall have no other gods before me. And number two, you shall not make idols. And so many of the commands, the other commands, which are derived from the master 10 commandments or 10 words or 10 guidelines or principles of Yahuwah. All of that really pertains to Israel's context, Israel's um, exposure to different foreign and heathen religions. This is why when we look at them, it doesn't really make sense because, what, because again, the context is different, but the commandment is really the same. What else? Let's get one more, the last one. Deuteronomy 22, verse 12. You shall make castles on the four corners of the clothing with which you cover yourself. Now, what are these tassels all about? In the book of Numbers 15, 37 to 41, then Yahuwah said to Moses, give the following instructions to the people of Israel. Throughout the generations to come, you must make tassels for the hems of your clothing and attach them with a blue cord. When you see the tassels, you will remember and obey all the commands of Yahuwah instead of following your own desires and defiling yourselves as you are prone to do. The tassels will help you remember that you must obey all my commands and be holy to your God. I am Yahuwah your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt that I might be your God. I am Yahuwah your God. And so what, what was the purpose of the command concerning the tassels? Its purpose was to get us to remember and to obey the commands of Yahuwah. And, you know, even today, I think it's a good idea to have these tassels. As a matter of fact, there are some people who make them available, right? They're called, what are they called again? Yeah, chit chit. It sounds Tagalog, though, for some reason, chit chit, right? But it's referring to the tassels. It's supposed to remind you not to obey your own desires, but to obey the command of God. But nowadays, you can have an app on your phone, right? It can remind you of the commands of God. So we can have a different context, but still the same command to, to make us remember the teachings of Yahuwah Abba. And in this command, what is being reflected? Basically to place our tri priority in knowing Yahuwah and nobody else. Okay, so we can see then that the Ten Commandments of God was given to guide us so that we can fulfill His will across different scenarios in our life. And so this calls for applications. Now, different applications, especially during our time, which, which causes us really to ask the question, then shouldn't we also have a different kind of Bible that applies during our time? Shouldn't we have a different, um, if there's an Old Testament, should we have like a, a, another testament for our time? Well, we do, right? Because we need to also remember the purpose of Yahuwah for his 10 commands 
The Ten Commandments are so special. Yahuwah God has a purpose for that. So that it can apply throughout the different contexts, different cultures, and different times of the people of the world. What is that? What is the purpose of Yahuwah? If you still remember, uh, Yahuwah Abba had the Ten Commandments inside the Ark of the Covenant, right? The Ark of the Covenant is special to God. There are many people who believe that the Ark of the Covenant kind of represents the heart of God. And so the Ten Commandments is inside the heart of God. And so it's special, right? And because the commandments are so special, what also does Yahuwah want to do with these Ten Commandments? If it's from his heart, what does Yahuwah Abba want concerning his people? In the book of Hebrews, which we read earlier, the Bible says, I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds, I will write them. And so Yahuwah truly values the Ten Commandments. That's why it's placed in the Ark of the Covenant, which represents his heart. And what his intention is to one day write them in our heart. When will this take place? When the new covenant has been initiated, which has already taken place. This is why there's no need for us to write like a, a, a separate book for our application of the Ten Commandments in the same way it was done for the people of Israel. Because we have an advantage over the people of Israel. What is that? Yahuwah is now able to write his commandments where? In our heart. And what does that mean then? What are we able to do? Second Corinthians 3, 3. Clearly, you are a letter from Christ showing the result of our ministry among you. This letter is written not with pen and ink, but with the spirit of the living God. It is carved not on tablets of stone, but on human hearts. And so what we have today that was not present during the days of Israel, at least not uh, in terms of the whole congregation. What we have today, being followers of Yahusha, is we have the spirit. And the spirit in us is what will guide us so that we can properly apply the Ten Commandments across different situations and different contexts in our life. This is why it's good for us to understand and to put in our hearts, put in our hearts the Ten Commandments of Yahuwah Elohim. Because when we put the commandments of God in our hearts, what can we expect to happen? Let's read the final passage of our studies today, Hebrews 9.4, which had the golden altar of incense and the gold-covered ark of the covenant. This ark contained the gold jar of manna, Aaron's staff that had budded, and the stone tablets of the covenant. You notice there are three things inside the ark of the covenant. What are they? Number one, you have the stone tablets of the covenant. What is inscribed on the stone tablets once again? The Ten Commandments, right? The Ten Commandments. And what else is in the Ark of the Covenant? Aaron's staff. Not just Aaron's staff, though. You notice what happened to Aaron's staff? It budded. It became what? Fruitful. The, 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 the staff, it budded. What else is found there? Mana. What is mana again? It's bread from heaven. Do we need bread in our life? Yeah. You know, all of these three objects found in the Ark of the Covenant 
symbolically represent us today too. How so? Well, it begins with the stone tablets. Yahuwah God wants to have them in our heart, right? The Ten Commandments are like seeds. And it should be planted where? In our heart. When we plant seeds in our heart, what happens? Eventually, it will bear what? Fruit. It will bear grain. And it will become bread for our life. Remember what our King Yahushua said? Man cannot live on bread alone, but by the word of God. What word of God was he referring to? Ten Commandments. You see, when we plant the seed of the Ten Commandments in our heart, and we nurture the Ten Commandments in our heart, soon we're going to know how to apply these Ten Commandments in many different situations. And so we have the bread, the manna, that will sustain us spiritually. And if we are able to consistently apply the Ten Commandments in our life, what will be the result? What will become of our life? Well, inside the Ark of the Covenant, we also have a staff that has budded. In other words, it's pointing to a fruitful life. So if we want to receive the bread that will sustain us, if we want to have a life that is fruitful, it begins with what? The seeds. What seed? What are they again? The Ten Commandments of God. Plant them in your heart, brethren. Do not let people say to you the Ten Commandments are obsolete. Do not let people give you a replacement Ten Commandments. No. Plant in your heart what Jehovah God planted in the Ark of the Covenant, which is in his heart. Plant what is in the heart of God into your heart. That's what's going to connect you to Yahuwah Abba, so that we can live a life that is fruitful, that we can continue to be sustained with the bread, which represents our King Yahusha. Okay, that is our lesson for today. Let us stand and we shall pray together. Everlasting Father, yes, Yahuwah, gracious Abba, yes, thank you for the gift of your commandments. Yes, we know they are special to you yes, because they guide us in every decision that we make. Yes, train us, teach us how to do this well, yes, guided by your spirit. Amen. We know as we face this world, we will be exposed to many wicked forces and we will be called upon to make choices yes. and decisions in life. Father, please help us to discern what is right from what is wrong yes. by having your words deep in our hearts. Amen. Our loving King and Mashiach Yahushua, yes. may you please teach us to be like you yes. because you perfectly obeyed all of the commands of yes. Abba. Help us to do the same yes. through your guidance and leadership Amen. and through the empowerment of your spirit. Amen. Father, please bless your people throughout the world. Yes. May you keep us safe and protect us. Yes. And may you help us to be prepared for the great day of our salvation. Amen. We ask and beg everything loving Abba. In the name of our Lord and Savior. Yahusha HaMashiach. Amen. Amen.